0: Welcome to the e Elaborate Topics podcast, where we focus on lab-specific strategies for medical laboratory professionals. We're proud to be the healthcare detectives that work behind the scenes to get the results needed to influence medical decisions. Let's grow together and jump right into the lab. Hi friends welcome back to another episode of elaborate topics i'm your host for today's show stephanie whitehead for those of you tuning in for the first time i'm your podcasting laboratory leader and co-host of elaborate topics podcast the elaborate topics podcast is a weekly podcast where myself and my co-host taiwana wilson and lona small bring you topics related to the laboratory and leadership that will help you excel inside and outside of the laboratory so I'm excited for today's show because I have a very special guest and personal friend of mine, Ms. Kendra Lang. Hello. Hi, thank you for joining me today. I am
1: so excited for this. I think I think this is going to be great. I am such a fan of what you guys have already done um with the the crowd that you have that subscribes and listens to these podcasts, but um I also love that it is Healthcare-specific, not healthcare-specific, you know, applicable to all sorts of all sorts of folks that run around in the circles that our, our lab folks might be um, socializing and networking with. So I'm excited for this.
0: Well, I'm excited that you're joining me today, and I'm super excited because we've got a great topic. The topic of today's podcast is a case of the just us, and we all yes. know – We all know a case of the justice. I'm just a lab tech. I'm just a phlebotomist. And so today in our podcast, we really want to give you the keys to try to master your career development. If you're in a place where you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you want to take your career to the next level, um, Kendra is here to give you the keys to master how to move forward. But first, you've had an amazing journey in healthcare, and you've got um, an incredible track record. And you're also a well-known speaker. So why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the talks that you've given and in some of the venues you've spoken at previously.
1: Yeah, so um to be a speaker since we're into this whole career development um Scenario and subject to be a speaker it really doesn 't take any sort of magical wand or magical kind of personality traits um, you everybody has something to talk about, so I just um, focused in on how I wanted to have an impact and so I just started speaking. I speak at church events, um, mainly women 's ministry kind of type events, professional geared, healthcare-specific kind of venues related to accreditation and quality, Um, but the most impactful um, event that I have spoken at to date is definitely um, an event that was called I Feel Pretty Women's Conference, um, and that took place here in Texas about a year ago. Um, It was just such... diverse group of women and I was just I felt so privileged to be able to be a part of it Um, it was really incredible how the speakers were just a great mix of uh, women with different topics, and the venue was just intimate enough to to feel the energy, but still accommodate a pretty substantial group. So, that's I, I really kind of um, decided that yeah, this is something I want to do. It, it's totally worth the scare factor. Because um, so, don't get me wrong, no matter how many times that you speak in front of large groups or have any sort of public speaking. Um, engagements, whether it be, you know, in your organization or with outside groups, it's still it's still daunting every time. So you don't ever get over that, I don't think. But yeah, it's it's been a great journey for sure.
0: I love the title. I feel pretty. That sounds like an awesome conference.
1: Yeah, it was great. It's actually the the, the name of a nonprofit as well, and so they just translated that into their conference, and it was really. Um, about focusing in on what makes you feel pretty on the inside, and you know, while there's such a focus in our society as, on how you look on the outside, to really uh, tune that into what makes you feel pretty as an individual.
0: That's awesome. And so, um, you've had a very lengthy lengthy career in healthcare. Why don't you give us some of your background? Um, yeah, um, all the things you've done.
1: Absolutely. So, we'll get into kind of the nitty gritty. But um, I started off my healthcare career as a unit secretary and a nurse aide, uh, and then from there I moved into kind of the lean PI world um, in that same organization, and then went into quality and uh, performance improvement, and then from there moved into more compliance specific roles. And then moved into um, kind of regulatory accreditation. So it has definitely been an evolution. Um, I cannot say that um, I've ever been or that I'm stuck in my career for sure. Have there been times where i felt stuck? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, But there's always been a next step, whether it was when I wanted it to happen or when it was unexpected. Um, And, you know, I'm sure you, uh, you as well as the audience can kind of um, relate to, you know, wanting things to happen in your own time. And that's definitely uh, been a struggle of mine, being kind of a uh, an OCD controlling type person. Um, I want to control when things happen and how they happen. But um, it's definitely been an adventure in the evolution of how I've gotten to where I have. And I'm just, I'm super blessed on, um, you know, being able to fo- uh, focus on what. I went out of my career, and having the support around me to make it happen, I think, has been absolutely necessary.
0: I um, I think your background to me is really just um, the best expertise in terms of this title and career development, because you've kind of continuously taken advantage of all of the opportunities in the healthcare um, in the healthcare arena and continue to develop yourself and continue to, uh, really polish and continue to, um, excel. And so me and you were talking, um, in preparation for this podcast episode, and we talked about, you know, right now speaking of next steps, people who are frontline workers right now and how they may be considering, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing it. And maybe considering needing to, you know, continue to escalate their career and move up and, um, move forward. And, um, we kind of talked about how just based on all of the events of 2020 and COVID 19, et cetera, the definition of, of frontline worker expanding. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what a what a season this is, right, in our lives. Um, I, I would kind of joke in the beginning of you know back in in March, I'd say, Oh gosh, what a time to be alive! It's, you know, who thought 2020 would be? so eventful in all the wrong ways, Um, but (laughs) (laughs) all the wrong ways, Um, but I have really um, kind of tried to latch on the, the positive things that may come out of this year, and I think that's kind of what keeps me from kind of getting in a funk, right, about what all what all crazy things have happened is to focus on, well, what, what good is coming out of it? And one of those things is, um, you know, how the definition of a frontline worker has really expanded through this whole COVID-19 season. And, you know, initially or previously, I think as a society, we've really focused on the first responder aspect of healthcare and the doctors and nurses that you, you know you see in all the TV shows that are standing at the ER doors waiting for the for the ambulance to arrive you know that's what we think of in terms of healthcare just out as as outsiders um and for very good reason um but the pandemic really necessitated an expansion of how the general public kind of sees these key players and how they keep our society going which as you know, you know, everybody knows brought about this n- new-ish term of essential worker. And um, I have to, I think we have to keep in mind that essential worker doesn't diminish by any means the role of the first responders. But I think as a society, we've gotten a better glimpse of how medical care involves so much more than, you know, the doctors and the nurses. It, it includes the lab techs, the EVS folks, the transporters, the unit secretaries, the cnas all of these people that help to make a hospital function, the facilities folks. You know, the, there has been such a shift in normal responsibilities of everyone in the hospital and these health healthcare organizations because of COVID-19. And it's all vitally important to being able to treat patients, um, and I think that that became, became more evident through this through this whole um, pandemic phase that we're in
0: right now. I agree with you. I think it. I, I've always thought that that it takes an entire care team, and I think perhaps because um, my career has always been in the support department, so the laboratory mm-hmm. um, department, you know, like radiology, just like pharmacy, just like physical therapy, supporting. Um, clinicians and making the diagnosis and treating and discharging and caring for their patients, I've always felt like, you know, it takes uh, an entire care team. And I love that you kind of mentioned it takes the volunteers, it takes the food and nutrition staff, it takes the uh, environmental services staff or the housekeepers, wherever you, whatever you call them, wherever you work to kind of keep mm-hmm. the wheels going and making sure that all of the patients have the best care possible. And so the title of the podcast is A Case of the Just where you have, sometimes people have a mentality of, I'm just a X, Y, and Z. And why do you think, it, so why do you think it's important for people who work in healthcare today, especially through this pandemic in 2020, not to minimize their roles by using the statement, I'm just a X, Y, and Z?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I've really been stuck on this whole just a thing for a while, um, for, for years now. Um, and I'll tell you why. And, and you and I kind of, again, have similar backgrounds in that we've, uh, as part and parcel of our careers, had supportive roles within healthcare. care. Um, I have always been very, very close to uh, the nurses that I've worked with uh, by virtue of my role. And I think that that's kind of helped to give me a unique perspective into both worlds. Um, but I think... Within within the hospital, within the healthcare system, there's such a focus on doctors and nurses, um, we sometimes tend to say, well, I'm just, uh, you know, fill in the blank, because we have such strict scopes of practice for all of us to kind of make sure that we're doing what we need to do. You know, a, a CNA can't pass meds, a lab tech can't change out IV fluids, or unit. Uh, ultrasound techs, can't give an actual diagnosis to a patient, even though all of these people may absolutely be, you know, physically and mentally capable of doing those things, it's not within their scopes of practice, but, which is completely, you know, understandable, but I think that it has also evolved into a mentality that we tend to kind of carry with us, right? It it becomes part of who we are, you know, I'm just a this, whereas it's not a what I do like I'm I can't give a med I can't do this instead of well this is this is my role this is how I support the care of the patient um you know and to that end we all have a part to play in order to to give the best possible care to our patients and and I I I laugh about this because um because of my role so you know even even the dreaded surveyors right (laughs) that everybody um tends to kind of not, not be very fond of. In my previous role as a surveyor, you know, I saw that it was my responsibility to the members of that community, wherever I was that week, to help ensure that that hospital I was visiting was doing the absolute best that they could to improve patient care. Um, I noticed I didn't say provide perfect care, but to improve what they were currently doing. And that was really, really my goal in that role, is to really focus on how how are they doing now and how can they get better and how can I help to make that happen so that this community benefits from it. Um, so yeah, we all absolutely have a part to play um, and there's never, never, never such a thing as a I'm just a this. Um, and kind of to that end, um, the reason why this kind of came back I won't say to haunt me um but the case of the justice came back with a vengeance one day when I was surveying now you know you heard me mention I got my my start in healthcare as a unit secretary and a nurse aide so I absolutely would find myself kind of suffering from the just you know the justice and um that being said being a unit secretary was absolutely one of my Favorite job, jobs that I've had in my career, just because I loved what I did, I saw value in it. But I still would kind of have that, um, have that moment of, gosh, like I feel like I'm being walked on today, or I feel like I can't do enough, or those types of things that would really kind of step me back into that mentality. And um, when I was serving one week, I remember going up to a med surge floor. And just kind of walking around the nurse's station and the director was there with me. I can't remember who else was there. You know, surveyors are always followed by a whole covey of folks. And um, I went to go talk to the unit secretary and, you know, just kind of ask her some questions about what she did. And um, she said, well, I'm just a unit clerk. And my heart just sank because it reminded me of where I started and, you know, she saw me as, oh, I'm the dread, you know, here's the dreaded surveyor asking me about my menial work. Like I'm just a unit clerk and in my heart, you know, I absolutely, I know, I absolutely just said, Hey, I was you, you know, at one point in my career. And so it was, it was very um, impactful in a way that, you know, it hit me, in in my world as a surveyor and kind of reminded me of why why I was doing what I was doing. Um, And I think that sometimes we all get to that point uh, to a certain extent, but I feel, you know, especially in those supportive roles outside of the, you know, the bedside care that's being provided.
0: And where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that mentality of, well, I'm, when you, um, because you probably have such great perspective, right, doing um, your work as an assessor, going in and inspecting and surveying different hospitals, and, you know, also being a unit clerk yourself, you know, to hear her say, I'm just a unit clerk, where do you think that type of mentality comes from? You
1: know, I, I really think that it's, it's a lot of what we allow in from the outside, I think that sometimes we um we tend to not focus on where where we find value in what we do versus how the outside world perceives us and kind of feeds back or reflects how they see the value that we bring and I think that's a huge that's a huge part of um just job fulfillment in general right is to uh, be aware of what you bring to the table and kind of what makes you fulfilled in your work and where you see value. And that's kind of, you know, where I started with being a unit secretary. You know, was it bottom of the rung in terms of on the med surge floor? Probably. Um but I, I saw it as my job. Like, I helped to run that dead gum nurse's station. Like, it was my job to help make sure that that my nurses had the easiest possible shift. Now, were there craptastic shifts? Absolutely. <laughs> but hopefully it wasn't exclusively my fault. But it really, I saw my role as to, like, help to alleviate any unnecessary craziness for the nurses that were doing, you know, doing the, the bedside work and, you know, not taking their um lunch breaks or, uh, you know, helpfully not interrupting them with needless things. Like I it was everything that I could do to help make their day better. You know, in my view, I started as a unit secretary in college. Um, you know, f- for a college kid I had the perfect hours. You know, I worked from three P or yeah, three PM to eleven PM. Um, I'd square out my, my classes for the day and I'd go across campus, cross the street, and be at work. Um, it, I could work as much as I wanted, you know, as a, as a full-time. I, I mean, I work full-time, so um, I couldn't work too much over my full-time hours. But, um, you know, I could pick up a couple shifts extra here and there, kind of putting myself through college. That was, that was absolutely valuable. Um, I got a great start in learning how to train other people and really develop my interpersonal skills. Um, you know as a as a nineteen year old college kid working with doctors uh, really helped me to develop both um, those interpersonal skills and a little bit of a thick skin. Uh, so you know it's it's looking at again focusing on what are the positives that can come out of this is it Is it absolutely where you want to be in twenty years? Maybe not, but what can you pull out of that experience now to help you build upon later?
0: And so, if you take that introspective um, introspective action, and you say, you know, is this where I want to be in twenty years? And your answer is no. What advice would you have for people to to feel unstuck in their career and try to navigate a new path for themselves in healthcare?
1: Yeah, I think one of the most important things that you can do, whether you're in healthcare or you're in another um, industry, um, you have to figure figure yourself out first. Um, Again, you, you have to know what makes you happy and what makes you fulfilled before you can find that in a job. And um, one of the things, and, and again, this is kind of um, outside the box, but um, one of the absolute best personality tests that I found is the Enneagram. Uh, it's spelled E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Um You've probably heard of DISC or Myers-Briggs or you've seen some of those personality uh, questions come through in like an online job application. Um, a lot of those job applications ca- have started to incorporate some personality tests, um, but I've found that the Enneagram is best for helping me to really dig down into what makes uh, me tick rather than kind of an overview of or a summary of personality traits that I already know um so it's it's been really great I've I learned about it about a year ago and have um in the last probably six months really been digging deeper into what it means to be so I'm an eight um so they're, they're numbers one through nine and um I'm definitely an a type eight
0: <laughs> so if you go the and Google, is, is it better the higher you go or what <laughs> <laughs> is it, is I guess, like,
1: I, you know i guess it depends on your perspective <laughs> right no it's definitely not on a on a on a progressive scale from one to from okay. one to nine okay. <laughs> but i would totally own that <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> then you're going to call me a liar after you google it but um, <laughs> but no it really um helps to learn especially about like i've had uh A couple of friend groups, we've taken it and and learning more about your friends and what makes them tick. Like, it's just really a great tool. And there's so many resources. I mean, you can you can search this this podcast podcast platform you're on now for enneagram and there'll be so many enneagram podcasts that pop up to to that kind of help you to learn more about um each type um so that's digging really deep into that but no i think that enneagram is a great place to start if you just if you just don't feel super passionate about one thing or another it's a great starting point um to really help with that self reflection and see okay Maybe, where can I go from here? Um, you can definitely once you take that test um and they're free all over the interwebs, like you can just type in Enneagram test and you 'll find one um, but like Pinterest, you can type in what what your type so I put in type eight and there's all these you know fun infographics of different. Plays on that particular personality type. So, if you just need a place to jump off of, that's a great place to start. Um, and so, once you know kind of what makes you tick, uh, you have to kind of figure out, okay, how how do I find what will um, shine a light on those characteristics? So, you you can absolutely you know volunteer. Um, Job shadowing, you know, those things you can do, and I know the the audience that we have is probably pretty well established in their careers, um, but this is definitely applicable to anyone at any point in their career or when they're just kind of thinking about it. So high schoolers, high schoolers can volunteer and job shadow um, as a professional, you know, Build your professional networks. LinkedIn is a great place um, to trade knowledge and experience and just gain insight from other people who, you know, may be in completely different roles than you are um, and you aren't able to engage with those types of folks on a day-to-day basis in your your current role. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place to do that. Um, You know, look for those kind of um, job titles or people that may be, able to give you a little bit more insight into how they got into their roles. I know that I recently had an individual reach out to me on LinkedIn that has a similar background as I do. You know, I I never went to nursing school. I had planned on it um, <laughs> coming out of high school, um, but I didn't have um, the support around me <laughs> to really do that. Um, you know, my parents would give me a hard time saying, you know, when you were in preschool you would, you know, gag when you finger painted like how are you gonna see blood Um, (laughs) yeah I was like you know I don't know I feel like I've matured since preschool but thank you um so uh, if you gag at the kind of
0: paint then blood would be hard
1: (laughs) yeah but you know I'm (laughs) I've I am a I worked on a med surge floor so like wounds I will gawk at wounds all day long um I would not be able to make it as a respiratory therapist, bless you folks who are RTs, but, you know, I just I just can't handle that.
0: Um, but at
1: any rate, um, but, yeah, so but, I – But, you know, that's a I, good point because
0: you don't necessarily have to change your entire career. There's different levels within your current career that you could use these tools to assess. You know, if, you, if you're currently an RT and you want to be the RT supervisor or if you're currently a lab tech and you want to be – the lab director, you can always job shadow or do informational interviews and just ask the people in those you know those roles that you aspire to be in you know what it's like to yeah. be in those roles so you can kind of get a better idea
1: absolutely you know one of the the greatest things that i've just I've seen around the country and that I've been able to be a part of in my career are um, are those kind of process improvement project groups um When I first started in on those, it was more than 10 years ago. Um, But I think they've really taken off to where it's not such a foreign concept anymore. But the idea behind um, different roles coming together to examine a process or work on a project, it really helps people to understand what – things that other, other roles have to deal with. Um, you may, you know, a, a nurse may be working on or working within the same process like a, like a patient discharge, but, I mean, how many, how many people do you have working to get a patient discharge? You've got respiratory that's probably trying to wean them off O2. You've got labs that need to come back. You have um, case management that's maybe involved trying to get that patient where it needs to go, whether it be... Um, Post acute or home or home health or anything like that. So those types of things really help you to have a little bit of a perspective into what other folks within your same processes but different roles kind of have to deal with. I think that's a great opportunity, where, you know, with where you are, um, and all it all it takes is you know looking at looking at your organization, you know, do we have those sorts of things in place? Or is that something that I can go to my supervisor and say, hey, next project that we have to work on, um, I'd love to be a part of it. So just those kind of little things um, can definitely help you to learn more about you and what what you feel like will help you to become less stuck and really to help you move onward and upward in your career. Um, and to that, end, you know, finding a mentor – Um, I know that you guys have talked about mentors in the past. It's a huge, huge, huge thing um, that I've heard throughout this podcast. And um, I had an absolutely amazing mentor in my first job out of college who gave me absolutely every opportunity that she could to help develop my knowledge and experience because I was so young. I was just – and luckily for me, I, you know, stayed – I call it the hospital I grew up in. Um, because I started working there when I was 19, and I think when I left, I was 24. And um, she gave me absolutely every opportunity to um, professionally develop with different trainings, different courses, different exposures. Um, It was absolutely necessary to, or at least I see it as, you know, it was key in getting me to where I am today. And she still likes to, to uh, pawn off that um, acknowledgement onto me, saying, "Oh, well, you did it all." And I am like, no, I would not. I absolutely would not have had that opportunity had you not given it to me. So, um, yeah, definitely looking at where where you are, what help, what makes you tick, um, and then deciding, you know, is it going to get you to where you want to be? You know, is your current role going to get you there? If not, you know, what is it going to take? Is it going to, do you need an advanced degree, maybe a specific certification? Um, You know, sometimes it's as easy as starting to work toward and ask for, because those, those are key, right? Those two things, work toward and ask for additional job responsibilities because just asking for additional job responsibilities isn't necessarily going to, you know, make your supervisor say, oh, yeah, sure, but you can't, like, you're not doing what, you already should be doing. So working toward um, being able to ask for those things and and, um, earning your supervisor's confidence, um, you know, is definitely an easy thing to help move you in the right direction. So um, I do have to talk about um, kind of where I started, I know we talked about when I was working as a unit secretary, um, one of the things that, you know, I know that Stephanie, you and I have discussed before is getting um, getting an in in healthcare, right? So as a non-clinical person, how do you get into working in a hospital? Um, and it's, it's, sometimes it's pretty difficult. <laughs> I remember I had, You know, I'd gone to CNA training. I spent that time. I did my clinicals. I took my test. You know, I had my little card to prove it. But for the life of me, I could not get a job in a hospital, in a nursing home. You know, it was just not happening. And I just, I was like, I don't, I mean, is it impossible? Like, do I need to call the president? Like, how do I get a job in a hospital? And um, what happened was, I worked at an electronics store and I was a cashier and somebody walked up to me, a lady that shall not be named to protect her, (laughs) to protect her identity. No, she was great. I'm very interested (laughs) now. (laughs) No, she was great. I just don't want people banging down her door to be like, it's, it's your doing. Uh, (laughs) No, but. (laughs) like um, Olivia Pope,
0: the (laughs) Olivia Pope of healthcare. Where is she? (laughs)
1: <laughs> her name's Shelly, her name's Shelly and she came to my line and I don't remember what she bought. Like I don't, I'm not that, um, I don't have that photographic memory, but she came to my line. She's still had her badge on. She had these scrubs on. And I, I, you know, being my, um, outgoing personality, I just said, Hey, where do you work? And she told me, and, um, uh, I said, you know, I, I have my CNA, and I just can't, you know, seem to get any experience. I want to go to nursing school, but I I can't, you know, get an in. And she said, well, actually, we're looking for a unit secretary to work from 3 to 11, 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. She's like, here's my phone number, or here's my nurse manager's number. Um, Give her a call tomorrow. And and i lived happily ever after <laughs> i i gave her a call and within a couple of weeks i was i was hired and you know so i i had already gone through the process of applying to the hospital and never heard a peep um but it just took that one conversation to say you know oh this is this is my plan this is where i want to go but you know i'm having trouble what are your thoughts and so that kind of goes back to just that informal networking to say, you know, can I have a conversation with you? What did you do? And um, it's really key to helping to open those doors that may you may not e- know even exist. You know, it may look like a, a wall but it, or a bookcase, but it's one of those hidden doors. So you just kind of got to push right. on a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think that for me – it's been key to really think about where do I want to go? And that's to say it hasn't necessarily stayed the same throughout my career. You know,
0: starting off, yeah,
1: yeah, starting off in, um, you know, in a frontline kind of role such as a CNA or unit secretary, you think, okay, do I want to be a nurse or do I want to be a nurse manager or, you know, what's the ultimate goal? Well, for me, kind of moving up the way I went, you know, I'm non-clinical, you know, I don't, I you need know, to tell people I don't have any initials behind my name yet. Um, <laughs> I will here in about a month or two months, but, um, you know, it, it's kind of, it kind of would try to build up in me this justice, you know, a case of the justice say, well, I don't, I don't have the initials behind my name to really get me to where I want to go. So then, okay, what did I do? i tried to figure out the initials that I needed to get me where I wanted to be. Um, and for me, it really took a little bit of introspective, like, okay, what's the ultimate goal? Well, want to be in the C-suite at a hospital or a health system. And, okay, where, what do I need to get me there? well, I started on my um, master's in business administration. And thankfully, finally, seven years later, um, I will be graduating in December. Um, and, you know, that I mentioned the seven years is to say, you know, I got derailed a little bit, but I, I'm making it happen. And even during the course of finishing up that piece of my career development, my career aspirations have changed. And it's not to say that, that MBA won't help me, you know, in my current role and where i go eventually, but just from where I started um, absolutely has evolved from from that starting point. So I think that it can absolutely, you know, kind of change and move along, uh, but keeping an eye on where you want to go and having a plan in place.
0: I think those are really good points. And congratulations on um, your degree and all the hard work that you've put into that. That's an awesome achievement. And thank, I think you,
1: it's important thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: No, I know, I know how hard that is. So, um, <laughs> seven years or ten years or a hundred years, at least you are, you know, getting over the finish line. And just for our listeners out there, um, this is like a cyclical process, especially if you're early in your career or even if you feel like I'm towards the middle or end of my career, you'll constantly be evaluating where you are in your career and the job that you're doing and the job title that you have versus what you want to be doing for the next 5, 10, 20 years of your uh, as your life as long as you're working. And so it's not a process where it's like, okay, I've done all my networking and I'm done, I have a job. You'll continue to network. You'll continue to keep your um, resume updated. You'll continue to meet new people. And then you'll continue, if you want to, um, to advance in your career and develop um, the things that you're going to be doing next. So it's it's kind of a cycle. It's kind of a cyclical thing so you don't ever have to be stagnated or feel uh, stuck. Now, if you get the perfect job, and you have the perfect title, and you feel you know, this is what I want to do until I retire, that's great. And I think then your role becomes being the best at that, going to all the conferences, you know, um, talking to people, publishing, doing research, whatever you can do to be the best of the XYZ that you are um, in that field. So I think those are all great points. And so as we wrap up the conversation, I love to always leave our guests with advice that or um, actionable things that they can walk away from our podcast with um, and help them in their professional lives. So what recommendations do you have of things that you use, whether it be um, reading material or websites? Um, I know you've already given us the great Enneagram test um, or maybe apps that you use that you can leave our listeners with.
1: Yeah. um, Gosh, there's so many things. Um, But I think the – The practice that has really helped me um, both personally and professionally to kind of give me uh, the start that I need every day is, I know this sounds a little bit crazy, uh, but about a year, a little over a year ago, I I looked at, okay, what time am I waking up every day and pushing that up or pushing that back an hour? So I was waking up at like six and saying, okay, I'm going to allow myself. One hour in the mornings to um, kind of have that calm before the storm. You know, I have I have three little boys that I have to get up and move in and get to school, and you know, everything. Especially during all the whole distance learning thing, was key to kind of having a little semblance of control over my day. So, having a a practice to really focus on. Um, how you 're going to structure your day, so for me, that was I wake up at five, I make my coffee, I sit down with my my planner, and I say, "Okay, what meetings do I have today? What do I absolutely need to get done, you know whether it be for work or school or the kids, and kind of having that starting point point. Um, and then looking at gosh what am i what am I grateful for today so five things, five um, kind of gratitude points for the day to say, you know, we may not have gotten to bed on time last night. We, you know, there, the dogs maybe woke me up in the middle of the night. So it's like kind of a rocky start, but how, what, what am I grateful for today that will kind of help to reframe my day as I get it started? Um, So that kind of focus on um, kicking off your day every morning has been absolutely key for me.
0: And for the listeners that want to reach out to you for additional information, or like you said, you had a person reach out to you on LinkedIn, how can listeners um, contact you after this podcast?
1: Yeah, so um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Kendra Lange, L-A-N-G-E. I got a, a... blue blazer you'll see in this in this podcast i think is same picture um or you can find me on facebook or linkedin and my at is k lang k l-a-n-g-e speaks s-p-e-a-k-s um that's where i kind of post a lot of my personal development kind of thoughts and um places that, that I'm going. Um, when, back, back when we were allowed to travel <laughs> on a regular oh, yeah. basis, um, a lot of my, my travel days are, are there kind of documented. I focus a lot on, um, I know there's probably a lot of moms in the audience, working moms in the audience, I focus a lot on um, some of the things that come along with being a, a kind of career-minded mom um so yeah you can find me facebook linkedin is more kind of the profession or sorry the personal development journey and then linkedin is more geared toward the um professional aspects of of my jam
0: well thank you for joining me today on this episode kendra it's very yeah uh, enjoyable thank you, to talk to you. And thank you to our listening audience for tuning in to today's show with our special guest, Kendra, who has shared the keys to mastering the art of career development. If you like what you've heard today and you want to listen to some of our previous shows, um, I direct you to directimpactbroadcasting.com, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of your um, normal podcasting platforms. Please remember to email us at topics at directimpact- direct sorry to learn more about this topic and others or to be a guest on our show you can follow me at stephanie whitehead on all of my social medias facebook instagram and linkedin and please stay tuned next week where we'll have another amazing episode of elaborate topics and until then have a great day thank you for tuning in to another episode of elaborate topics where your hosts discussed relevant strategies for laboratory professionals. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and listen to us on directimpactbroadcasting.com. Stay tuned for another episode with information you can use to excel in your laboratory career.